All right. And we should be all good. You could get comfortable. You want to go put on a Green Bay shirt? Or Might as well. Or a Jers? You can put on the Stokes jersey. It's all the way to the right in there. It's pretty small. It's actually a large, I think. It's technically yours. The Stokes one? Come on. <laughs> you really try putting that on with your headphones on? the cord as much as fucking possible here. Look at the alley guys like guy that has his headphones plugged into nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be hilarious. It really would. Oh man. Getting back into the weekly cheese man. The weekly cheese. Boy, does it feel good to be back. Alright, yo, I'm fucking ready to do this. I can't believe I paused the audio there, but it's okay. The videos are in sync, and we will have the area in which I say, Uh, I can't believe I paused the audio there. And that is how we should know that we're getting into it. You ready? I'm ready. I have the Twitter up. I'll hit you with any breaking, crazy breaking news. It's Sunday, so I don't think anything crazy will happen. Um, I have the podcast app up. I'm I'm fucking ready. What is going on, everyone? Welcome. Welcome to Season 3 of the Weekly Cheese uh, now broadcasting live from somewhere within the shadows of Lambeau Field. That is right. We are on the premises this year for season three. I could not be more pumped up. There are huge things coming here on the Weekly Cheese. And, uh, I mean, if you take a look at the vlog we posted just a couple days ago, we're here. We're in Green Bay. We are in Titletown. We are living amongst the Packers with one goal and one goal only, and that is to bring you, the cheeseheads out there, nothing but the best Packer content that we could put out, Green Bay content in general. It's going to be vlogs. It's going to be live from training camp coverage. It, we have a lot planned for the channel. Uh, for the weekly cheese, and, and we could not be more pumped up to get this first episode of the 2022 season underway. It's insane. I'm here with Chris, obviously. Uh, he is here with me in Titletown, and Chris, how are you feeling? We've been here for about a week now. Tomorrow will mark the seventh day, and just... What are your overall feelings about being in Titletown? It's unbelievable, dude. It's five for five great days here. I mean, over the weekend we had the soccer game, which was absolutely incredible. And just before, I'm sure we can touch on this now, you're going to see it in the vlog next week, but we have 
a fan yeah. who charged the stock soccer game to get I don't even remember the guy's name that he wanted. I, it's so it, the reason we can't really remember his name is because there is a bit of a, an accent difference between us and, and him. He is a foreign exchange student uh, from, from Chicago. In, in Chicago from Kyrgyzstan, yes. and he is just a huge soccer fan. He was in town for the game, and apparently he had a night he will never forget. He stormed the field after Man City won. I don't even know who won. I think Man, Man City, City won, won. won nothing. That yeah, goal, was, and he yeah. was a big Man City fan, so he stormed the field, and he tried to get a picture and close to his favorite players, and apparently he got hounded by four Green Bay police officers. They put him in the Brown County jail spent for the, the night. night in the clink. Yeah, yeah, he spent the night in Brown County, and he had to spend about $700 to get out. He asked to use our phone. He just came knocking on the door. We we're getting ready to sit down to do this episode. Yeah, imagine imagine our mental state. We're, we're preparing for this show. We're hanging out, having a good time, and we hear massive bangs on the door. I answer it, and he's asking for his bag that he left at the tailgate yesterday. And <laughs> first of all, neither of us really participated in the tailgate outside of our house. We were more towards the stadium, so I was like, bruh, we don't have your bag, unfortunately, but you can ask any of our neighbors. I'm sure they might know. He goes and asks the neighbors, claims his bag, and what do we know? Comes right back. Came right back to us. I guess he sensed we were friendly and eager to mingle with people in yes. the area. Well, he didn't have a phone. He had no money because he just spent it to get out of jail. <laughs> and he just kept saying it was worth it. It was worth it. And now he has to get back to Chicago by morning. Yeah, he has class in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just absolutely no way that he can get back to Chicago in the morning unless he Ubers, in which he ha- doesn't have the money for. And I mean... It's just it was crazy. It was crazy that he knocked on the door, and that's what you get when you're within the shadows of Lambeau Field, especially after a crazy weekend like it was in these yes. parts. Um, but yeah, uh, we're here. That's all I could really say about it. We're here, and um, yeah, it's time to get into the Packers season, what we're all waiting for in just three days. We're recording this on Sunday, uh, on Wednesday training camp begins Uh, we got the shareholders meeting to attend on tuesday and just so much to look forward to as we have a new look packers team to rally behind and get excited for but before we do that just to briefly touch on the ending of last season and just everything that that was uh, clearly since that point, it's been pretty much radio silence over here at the Weekly Cheese. Um, mainly because we had a lot going on here, clearly, uh, with planning this move out here for the 2022 season. But that ju- let's just touch on the way that game ended. Um, and that is with the special teams malfunction that I'm we sure. all saw it coming. We all saw it coming. And that's the point that I'm about to drive home here. And really my biggest takeaway from last season um, was the whole year, the special teams was clearly an issue. It was something we harped on here on this show. Every other Packers uh, media outlet ha- harped on it all year long, uh, week in and week out. It, it was just horrible. I mean... And this started way, way back when Goot first took control over the reins. In 2018, he drafted J.K. Scott in the fifth round, followed by a Hunter Bradley 
in the seventh round, and they were really supposed to just come in and revolutionize the special teams. And for whatever reason, that just did not come to fruition. It didn't materialize for those two guys. And the writing was on the wall that this was going to be an issue two seasons ago, in 2020, when when J.K. Scott all of a sudden in the middle of the year started muffing kicks, and there was that weird little week there against Indiana, Indianapolis where J.K. Scott was reported not going to be playing for personal reasons, so the Packers went and signed a punter off the street, and then just a few moments later, it was announced that J.K. Scott was, in fact, going to be playing, but he was just going to be driving himself to the game. <laughs> and I just feel like ever, ever since that point, the special teams has been on a slow decline. It was bad enough that ever since Micah Hyde departed from town, the Packers have had a trouble filling in the gaps in their return game. And then when Kylan Hill got injured last year, that was just a big issue because he seemed to show some promise as a return man. But then just to have this, the year start out with the kicking unit the way it did. J.K. was muffing the muffing the kicks, the punts left and right. Mason was missing some field goals. Unlike him. Unlike, absolutely unlike him. Yeah, after being on the most uh, hot streak of his career with the most consecutive makes in a row that he ever had, uh, he missed one, and then it just all seemed to unravel. Shortly thereafter, um, I mean... Boho came into town, J.K. Scott got released, and and they cut Hunter Bradley and Steven Wordle, who was touted to be athletic, uh, came in and took over the long snap position, and that's when we should have really known this was all going downhill. Uh, it didn't get better from that point on. If anything, it stayed the same. It stayed the same. And it was then, a revolving door of mediocrity back there. I, I agree, and I know that Especially after, in that divisional round game, after Mason Crosby missed that field goal early on, uh, in every single special teams play, uh, I was tight. Like, I was really nervous every single special teams play. And then that final one, when Wordle just got absolutely manhandled and the punt got blocked and got shot up. 300 feet in the air I just felt my soul leave my body and <laughs> right with the ball stomped the ball on shot up I mean, so did your soul and and it sickened me to my core but only because that feeling of disbelief shock disgust anger sadness grief like every emotion that one could possibly feel besides the positive ones we all feel in those moments and it just felt all too familiar at that point right like i walked away from that just it, it felt all too here familiar. we go again yeah it, i like i we should have known uh, it was gonna happen and i you pr could probably tell if you go back and listen to the post game of after that it was just misery there was no there was no no spark there <laughs> on that episode and after a long off season uh, of radio silence here at the Weekly Cheese, uh, we could have been discouraged entirely. But no, we said, the F with that, let's pack the car and head to Titletown and just try to do whatever we can to bring just that whatever it is, whatever we could possibly offer to this place. The vibes, bro. Uh, just the vibes. And let's go 
be there for the Lombardi ceremony. Which is what we did. Which is why and we're, we're here. here. And we're here to bring the content. So uh, it's a new year. Let's not harp on the special teams conundrums of the past because as you will all know and as we'll get into shortly here, it has been revamped. In a, in a way we could only have dreamed of, Joe. Seriously, in a way that we could only have dreamed of. And just let's look ahead. Talk about the offseason. Talk about the changes that have occurred to this Packers team, roster, everything. And really just get excited for this upcoming season because this is a new-look Green Bay Packer team. Uh, it, it is... They, Goot really, what I'll say is Goot outdid himself, in my opinion. And, and I am on record. There's hours of me talking on this channel about my disdain and disgust. And your skepticism. with And my skepticism of everything Brian Gunkus have done, has done. And in my humble opinion, uh, whatever it means to the cheeseheads of the world out there, I do feel as if Brian Gutenkunst... Uh, deserves a round of applause for how he has this team positioned and looking coming into this season. He even so, has the morale high. I feel as if the morale, the morale in the locker room is high. It, the morale is high, despite some devastating off-season uh, Yes, changes. obviously, but, but Aaron's, the been, Aaron's been public about it. Oh, he, yeah. he hasn't seen him as flustered as seasons past coming into the season. Well... I would never say Aaron Rodgers seemed flustered coming into seasons. He's been cool and collected each and every single time that guy comes into the year. Everyone else is flustered around him. The media okay. is flustered around him. But Aaron Rodgers is not flustered, and that's exactly why none of us should be. But it is exciting to see a little bit of a new look here and just some new guys to root for, youth, experience, some familiar, beloved figures that that we that we brought back and were able to retain some really hopeful and promising young rookies it's just it's going to be a crazy season uh, so without further ado let's kick this 2022 season off and just get in to everything that has transpired i'm going to take a little sip of water we'll cut this part out of course here just the what Oh, yeah, I guess the water will do. Alone will do The it. water alone should do. I'm also going to rip Jewel real yeah, quick. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to do the same thing. I think that was a decent start. Yeah, we were shaking off some rust there and shit, but I was shaking off some rust, I should say. You were firing. Um, keep going. That's all I have to say. And here we go. Wait, time out. Now that we're still paused, I'm going to check the camera and lose both hands at the same every time. Darn. There should be charging cord on my bed somewhere.
fucking do it, yo. Take it away. And obviously, the first thing that must be talked about when, when getting into the offseason changes was is clearly the first two things that were on the to-do list once the season ended. The, the season came to, the, to a close, and absolutely nothing could proceed until two things were worked out, and that is obviously addressing the contracts of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And clearly everyone knows how it unfolded, uh, but let's just do a little timeline there. I mean, on March 8th, the team franchised Devontae Adams, and that was the moment that we should have really all known that Devontae Adams was not going to be a Green Bay Packer anymore. Uh, he clearly did not want to play on the franchise tag. And if you listen to him speak about it, uh, n- not just during the season when asked about contract negotiations, but last season and coming into and coming into the season this time last year when talking about it, it was very obvious he had no intentions of playing on a franchise tag, that he was the best receiver. He in wanted the league, to be the guy and he was going to be paid accordingly. Uh, so just the fact that they did franchise him should have been a little bit of a red flag that maybe the writing was not on the wall. Uh, just a handful of days later, uh, Devontae Adams on March 14th announced that he's refusing to play on the franchise tag. And the very next day, on the 15th of March, it was announced that Aaron Rodgers was just signed a three-year, $150 million contract extension. Um, and just three days later, on the 18th, Devontae Adams was traded to Las Vegas for a first and second round pick. He was given that massive five-year, $141 million contract. Uh, and that is a contract that won, that, that Goot supposedly topped. He gave him a better offer, and Devontae Adams still apparently wanted to go Play with Derek Carr. And and play with Derek Carr and move his life. Um, But I think the writing was on the wall at the start of this past season, uh, at the start of last season, this time last year. Uh, Looking back on it, just watching all of Devontae's pressers, even when he showed up to OTAs when there was speculation that he wouldn't, um, it was just clear that there was a different vibe in the air when Devontae was speaking. Like, he knew it was going to be his last time doing the old Packers media room and being with those select individuals. And, um, yeah, he wanted to move on with his career. He wanted the new chapter of his life to begin. And for that, really, no one could be mad at him. Devontae Adams gave us everything he had on and off the field for eight amazing years. And if you ask me... He ended his career as with the Packers as the greatest receiver in the history of the franchise. I know people say Sterling Sharp is, and I get that argument, and I'll listen to it, and I won't even disagree. But in my opinion, Devontae Adams is the greatest receiver that the Packers have ever had, and I think he is going to go down as the best of his generation. Devontae Adams Absolutely. is a special wide receiver. And just before we put the DA talk, we got the Devontae Adams uh, signed mini helmet right here on display. That's not going anywhere. My jerseys will be 
worn proud for the rest of time. He will be in the Hall of Fame as a Packer, no question about it. Uh, but before we put all the Devonte slurping that goes on <laughs> on this channel behind us, uh, let's just for one last time go down a list and read out Devonte Adams' accolades and give him the respect he deserves as the greatest receiver in Packers history. Um, so his accolades in Packers history: he is number two in uh, touchdown receptions with seventy-four. And he is number two in. Shit. Hmm. I messed up. And, and let's just read off the list of Devontae Adams' accolades. In Packers history, Devontae Adams is number two in overall receptions with 669, number two in touchdowns with 73, and fourth overall in yards with 8,121. He is the only player in NFL history with 115-plus catches, 1,350-plus receiving yards, and 11-plus receiving touchdowns in back-to-back -back seasons. He is the first player in team history to have 7-plus 100-yard games twice in his career. He is one of only three NFL players in history with 650 plus catches, 8,000 yards, and 70 touchdowns in their first eight seasons. He is the, he, he, Devontae Adams has the most games in NFL history with 10 plus catches, 100 plus receiving yards, and multiple touchdown catches with eight. He has 12 career games with 10 plus receptions, 100 plus yards, and a touchdown which ties him for most in NFL history. And he and Aaron Rodgers connected on 68 touchdowns, which makes them the most productive touchdown combo in Packers history. The list goes on and on. The guy is unbelievable. And even when his stats drop next season by way of playing with Derek <laughs> Carr, I don't want to hear anything about it. Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the National Football League. So thank you for eight special seasons, Devontae. And if all goes according to both of our plans, I'll see you in the Super Bowl this year, man. <laughs> I'll see you there. Thank you. Now with that, out of the way, no more Devontae talk unless it is in bitter reminiscence. Um, let's get into the NFL draft because clearly – with Devontae out of town and Aaron staying for the rest of his career, it was important to everyone out there 
that the Packers address the wide receiver position yeah. clearly because now Devontae Adams out of town and we don't have the luxury of not drafting a legit wide receiver. Um, yeah, all eyes were on Goot this year. I mean, all eyes, were all on eyes Goot. were on Goot and this rightfully year. Rightfully so, because he, for a second there, dug himself into a deep. Well, let's not talk about hole. last year. Well, and with the, this being such thing. an important draft, that's what yeah, I'm saying uh, he has dug himself into a hole, and uh, all eyes were on him to see what he was going to do. And the draft goes as followed. Mind you, we now have. Two firsts and two seconds. So that is a huge benefit and even more of a reason to keep your eyes firmly glued on Brian Guttenkunst. But in round one, pick number 22, Quay Walker, linebacker out of the University of Georgia. Pick number 28, Devontae Wyatt, defensive lineman out of the University of Georgia. Then... In round two, the Packers traded up with the Vikings, uh, and they drafted Christian Watson, wide receiver, from North Dakota State University. Round three, they took Sean Ryhan, an O-lineman from UCLA. Round four, Romeo Dubs, a wide receiver from Nevada. Also in round four, they drafted Zach Tom, an offensive lineman from Wake Forest. Round five, Kingsley Enigabare. An outside linebacker, edge rusher from U University of South Carolina, and then in round seven the Packers had four picks and they took C Tariq Carpenter, inside linebacker slash really a safety, Georgia Tech, Jonathan Ford, a defensive tackle from Miami, Rashid Walker, an offensive tackle from Penn State, and Samori Torre, a wide receiver from the University of Nebraska, and. At first glance, I would say that this was one of Brian Gutenkunst's most impressive draft classes. He really seems to be getting the hang of the whole process here. And there's good reason to feel optimistic about nearly every single pick that the Packers had this season. Yeah, he shored uh, up one of the draft. best defenses in football and then added what should be a lethal weapon on offense. Well, so. Exactly. After this draft, I mean, although the team is clearly different, should be nothing but optimism coming into camp. And this new Packers team looks like it could really do some damage. And just like you said, Chris, right there, it starts with the fact that their defense just got totally fortified, fortified. through this draft. It's deep. Uh, for the first time in a very long time, it is the Packers offense that has all the question marks surrounding it. Uh, and the defense has nothing but pressure and expectation yes uh, on their shoulders and that's refreshing to me that is as good a news because you have Aaron Rodgers at the wheel yeah for, yeah exactly Packer fans because really it has been so long since that has been the case uh, last year the first season under defensive coordinator Joe Barry uh, it's safe to say it was a successful season for him uh, they the defense was a solid unit they played good football all season long, and they improved gradually throughout the year, just Absolutely, like yeah. every great defense yes. does. Uh, they were getting better and better week every in single. And week I was out. excited to watch the defense relative yeah. to the offense last and, year, and yes. they did that despite injuries all, all over season. the field. Uh, the, the defense all was season. riddled with injuries, and, and despite that, by the end of the, the year, they were 
one of the best defenses in the league with stars emerging all over the place. Like Rashawn Gary took a huge jump last season. He was a stud. Uh, Devondre Campbell, I mean, all pro. Rasul Douglas. He played himself into that nice contract. Uh, it, Eric Stokes, like, stars were popping up left and right uh, with the absence of Jair Alexander uh, and with Zadarius Smith, who this past offseason unfortunately showed his true colors uh, after holding out all season, signing with the Vikings. Puh. Now he is uh, public enemy number one around these parts, if you're asking this guy. It is a shame to see him take a heel Absolutely. turn like that, but no surprise after he held out all season long. And despite him not being there and trying to prove a point like, look how much this defense needs me, no, no. Rashawn Gary said, I He's got there. this. Don't, yeah. No need to fear. Uh, Devondre Campbell, again, like so many guys stepped up with major contributors being out for significant portions of the year, if not all year. Uh, so the fact that Goot, has been able to just go and draft like he did and fortify this defense and bring in these young talents. This Packers defense has true top five potential. Absolutely, 100%. And, and I get chills thinking about it. Uh, and I know what everyone's saying. I, the, the general consensus around uh, the draft was that the Packers did a horrible job and how could Brian Gutenkunst not draft a wide receiver in the first round and oh my god they went defense like what how did they not move up yada 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 listen you don't think if he could have moved up and did something that he felt worthwhile he would have he did for Jordan Love the guy's not afraid to go move up we know that about him Uh, and quite frankly if you ask me uh, and, and Traylon Burks was where the first-round receivers ended. That is the guy that everyone had penciled in getting drafted to the Packers right there where they were, uh, and he got picked up. Tennessee yeah, traded A.J. Brown to in a, the In Eagles. a wild trade. I a mean, wild trade, but I don't think A.J. Brown wanted to be in Tennessee. You don't think and, so? And might as well just go trade A.J. Brown for A.J. Brown. That's <laughs> exactly. That's idea, realistically, what they did. Traylon Burks would have been great to have in town. But that's where the first-round receivers ended. It was obvious. Uh, clearly, the whole league knew Watson wasn't going till the second round, uh, or else the Packers probably would have taken him in the first round somewhere. But Goot stuck to his gut. He felt he could get the, nec- the, the next best guy in the, f- in the second round. And he went and got, arguably, the two most productive players on the national championship defense. Yes. The Georgia defense was filled with talent, 11 deep. There was basically 11 pros on that defense. And it is a fair argument to make that the two guys we got in town, Mm -hmm. Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, they were the two best guys on that defensive unit, uh, playing perhaps the two most important positions on a defensive unit. So uh, let's just talk about them because I was sick when I saw all the hate going on about these picks and people saying that Goot messed up because reality check people, the big issue was depth, okay? That was the big issue with the Packers' defense last year. There's only so much you could do when when Lancaster and Garvin are coming in, and we needed more dogs. 
But look at the 49ers. Yeah, they could just swap them in and out, in and out. Uh, God forbid they have to come to Lambeau again and it's snowing and we have to rely on special teams. No, we need dogs. We can't we can't rely on two guys to be our entire three guys to be our entire pass rush. No, no. No, no. So these picks are great. Uh the this 22 the 22 pick Quay Walker uh, inside linebacker, but really just linebacker extraordinary. Linebacker, so I physical would, specimen. Total physical specimen. Six foot four, two hundred forty-one pounds, and he had a relative athletic score of a nine point six three. Uh, he was just, and I guess, relative athletic scores just basically all the combine drills tallied up and given a total athleticism score, as I understand it. Uh, his stats. In the 2021 college season, played 13 games, 65 total tackles, five and a half tackles for a loss, a sack and a half, three passes defended, fumble recovery, uh, and listen, that it, it's he plays in the SEC. He was on a defense loaded with pros. All of the stats of guys like that are a little skewed. I mean, it would have been nice to see maybe uh, a sack or two more coming from him, but. He's an inside linebacker. Well, Devontae Wyatt was maybe taking some of some away. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I, I try not to even look at sack yes. totals when I'm looking at the guys' Packers draft because yes. it's all relative. Look at Rashawn Gary and Michigan. Uh, one of the biggest critiques of his game was his lack of sack production. That was a huge knock on him, and the sole reason why. After the Packers picked him, uh, the Packers received a C-plus grade oh. on that pick, and look who's laughing oh. now. So sack totals are just BS. Uh, the truth of the matter is he was the first inside linebacker taken off the board, and for very good reason. Quay Walker is big. Quay Walker is strong. Quay Walker is fast. And Quay Walker is versatile. He is going to be an immediate impact performer on this defensive unit. Lining up alongside first-team All-Pro, nine-year gristled veteran Devondre Campbell. Uh, I don't know if he's a nine-year veteran. That was a total uh, shot in the dark. I know he's been around the league for quite some time, though, uh, and I would not be mistaken if I was right on the money with that, Chris. Let's see. Yeah, I got you. I'm already on it. On Devondre Campbell. I'm already the point on it. Being 2016. Is that seven years? We're about to look real bad here, yes. Six. Okay, whatever. He's been in the league since... 2016. We're going to do a clap there to play with this part a little bit. But point being, he's going to be lined up right alongside first-team All-Pro Devondre Campbell, who, mind you, just signed a five-year, $50 million contract of his own. Uh, and in just a matter of one season... The Packers went from having perhaps the most laughable interior linebacking unit oh. to one of the most feared interior linebacking unit. Yeah, Quay Walker needs to pan out, but at a first glance, this guy is a sure-fire hit. He seems to be a stud, and just listening to uh, the way he, he talks and just listening to the, his pressers, he seems to be motivated and serious about his business. Uh, so he looks the part, and I believe he is going to fill the part perfectly. And on top of his ability to line up inside right there next to Devondre uh, and stop stop the run and get sideline to sideline in the blink of an eye, he is also versatile enough to line up on the outside and, and attack from the edge. 
we've seen him do it a bunch in college. He was he was coming off the edge quite a bit, uh, and I mean this past season the Green Bay Packers pass rush was pretty phenomenal. They had thirty nine sacks, a ton of pressures, a ton of pressures, and that was coming uh, from a unit that relied on no offense to these guys, but John Garvin and Tipa Gallier to come in and spell Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith for pretty much. 15 to 20 snaps a game. And during those important downs, there was minimal pass rush whatsoever. There was no production coming from the secondary options there. It was all Preston and Rashawn uh, for a second there. Whitney Merciless came in and helped. And then clearly when Zedarius, uh, when the playoffs came and he decided to grace us with his presence, he he, he did what he does. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, besides that, it was Preston and Rashawn responsible for all of the edge pressure, and Quay Walker is going to be able to come in and, and alleviate some of that, uh, as well as the fifth-round draft pick. Let's not overlook Kingsley Enigabare. That people are calling him the steal of the entire draft. The guy... Talk about a physical specimen. You think Quay Walker is, is big and impressive? Uh, Kingsley Enigabare is 6'4", 258. Uh, and last year, he had 44 total tackles, 7 for a loss, and 4.5 and sacks. Uh, he moves fast. And, and again, I think of him as a immediate upgrade from Garvin and Tipa Galli. Absolutely. No knock on those guys. They play hard. But uh, Kingsley Enigabare is going to be getting some burn and I'm hoping he, he pans out and, and could add just the depth that it appears he's going to because if that is the case, it'll allow Preston and Rashawn to not really have to worry about reserving any of their stamina. It will allow them to, to go, go full crazy. throttle whenever they're out there because they know they're going to be given a break by someone who's going to come in and make a play, exactly. not someone who's going to just – Totally hold the line, yeah. Halted at the line, yeah. yeah just stood up, uh, and that's what was happening last season. There were about twenty plays a game where opposing teams knew that they could throw the ball. Absolutely, like, they knew they could throw the ball. Yeah, and and we knew that that we could get thrown on when, when Preston and Rashawn were not out there. It was just, it was too much of a risk. And again, adding to the depth, Quay Walker and Kingsley Enigabare are, are going to be out there and. It's going to be exciting. And then to address the other luxury item that Good went and got us uh, in, in the first round, Devontae Wyatt, the, the nose tackle from University of Georgia, six foot three, 304 pounds with a relative athletic score of 9.6 out of 10. The guy is a physical specimen. Uh, and in his 13 games last season, 39 total tackles, seven for a loss, two and a half sacks, uh, and really when he wasn't finishing the play, he was blowing up the opposing team's offensive lineman and getting to that backfield. If he wasn't finishing Will. the play, it was because he chose to let the other yeah. person finish yeah. the play on that possession. Yeah, and there's major hype surrounding that guy, Jordan Davis, who went to the Eagles, number 99 from Georgia's defensive line, and admittedly when – I first saw him. I'll never forget. Chris and I, we were sitting there watching a game, a Georgia game, yeah. at the start of last summer. Like, it was early. And we're watching, and I'm like, oh, my God, 9'9 nine, nine is big. Like, that guy's big. And turned out he was the fastest big man of all time yeah. or whatever happened in the combine. So I get why he got drafted. But Chris was saying the whole time, even when I was talking about 99, 
that if you really yes. watch that tape, the true difference maker on that Devontae D-line was Wyatt, 9-5. Baby. That's the guy I wanted. I wanted nine, this five. guy badly. He did. Chris he was wanted. a clear difference maker. Yeah. If you just go back and watch any Georgia game last year, he was the guy that was obviously making the difference <laughs> yeah, on that yeah, line. And, and you think we're making that up? Go go look for yourself. It is the truth. He yes. Was, he was the man, and, and he is a high-motor big man. He is versatile, quick on his feet. Got got everything you takes want. Takes up a ton of room. Takes up a ton of room. And put him out there right alongside Kenny Clark. Oh, that interior of that Packers defensive line is that much more ferocious when getting after quarterbacks. And, and if you think about it, that is that was on Goot's mind this past offseason because he went out and drafted Devontae Wyatt. In free agency, he brought in veteran defensive lineman Jaron Reed from Seattle, who has 225 career tackles and 24 and a half career sacks, which includes a 10 and a half sack year just in 2018, not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, so even if he has anything left in the tank, that's added depth. Uh, they drafted Jonathan Ford out of Miami late in this past draft. He's 6'5", 340, just a behemoth of a man. Uh, they have T.J. Slayton coming back for his second year. He looks good. Is looking trim and ready to go. He looks good. Reports are similar this year about T.J. Slayton as they were Preston coming into last season, about them being in much better shape, visibly better shape. So that's great news. Um, and really, it's just, it is great. The Packers' defense is stacked now, and it, the front seven is, is as deep as I could remember it being in the last decade. Maybe since that Super Bowl team with Big Bad Howard Green coming in mid-year and bolstering that line. Um, but when you consider the last three seasons, uh, all of us were subject, and just the Packers in general were one injury away from having Tyler Lancaster out there for 30 snaps. Seriously, uh, that was the reality that we faced at both of the positions that were addressed in the first round. Uh, the Packers were always one injury away from Ty Summers playing major minutes, <laughs> and we are always one injury away from our beloved Tyler Lancaster, who's unfortunately not on the roster anymore, uh, from coming in and playing major time. Uh, Dean Lowry, I didn't even bring up now. He's still there, and he's still going to be Dean Lowry, but uh, he might be a little buried here on this death chart, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yes. That is exactly what the Packers needed, and Goot went out and did it, and good on Goot for doing it. That I couldn't be more pumped. The thing I'm looking forward to most this season is watching this Packers front seven go to work. It's going to be a thing of beauty with Kenny and Devontae and Quay Walker, Preston, Rashawn. Deva oh. We're going to have to make some predictions on it's rush yards allowed, pass, uh, um, pass attempts, like deny, yeah, all these types of stats, uh, advanced prep, analytics here. We see how they're looking on the day-to-day -day here coming up this week. We will definitely get all of that out there for sure. Yes, That's, absolutely. That is going to be amazing. And, you know... Now let's just round out the defense quick, talk about the secondary, because there was some some movement in the secondary, nothing too crazy. Other I would than, call it more shoring up rather exactly, than movement. Exactly, as 
Yeah, we shored it up. The Packers shored up their secondary and kept the boys at home. Um, the uh, This offseason, I mean, they had to get the first thing out of the way, which was extending Jair Alexander, not going into this season, knowing he's going to be a free agent. Just get it out of the way. Uh, if you learned anything from every, what's gone on with Devontae, you can't even risk it. Just get it out of the way. And Jair Alexander, who's clearly the best corner in the game, signed a four-year, $84 million contract extension. And he will definitely be looking to remind the entire NFL exactly why he got that money after missing the majority of last season due to injury. And if we're being honest with ourselves, now very far removed from last season, Jair Alexander getting hurt was the best thing that yes. could happen to yes. this year's team. Yes. To this year's team. Uh, because when he went down, the entire season could have been ruined. Literally, last year when Jair went down, the season could have been over. The Packers could have been miserable. Uh, at that point in time, Kevin King was still the number two corner on the roster. Eric Stokes was still coming along a little slowly. And the Packers really needed someone to step up and go get someone off the street to come in and make a difference if they had any chance of fielding a competent defense. We were about to be the 2016 Packers with Gunter out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like It was about to be miserable for, for the entire season if something didn't just happen miraculously. And that's exactly what happened. Boy, did it. A, a miracle happened. Uh, and we'll start, I mean... One man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah, and, and if, before we get into the true miracle that was last season, uh, Eric Stokes, he had to step up first and foremost. He was a first-round pick. He was our rookie. And it might have been a little sooner than planned, but he needed to get out there and he needed to start producing. Um, and he played pretty damn good while lining up from some of the top wide receivers in the league week in and week out. He started 14 games last season, allowed just a 49% completion rate on 97 targets and an average passer rating of just 71, which is well below the league average. So as a rookie, I would say he was one of the top three rookie corners in the league. Last oh, year. yeah. Uh, if not the best. Oh. So that was a great sign and only helps us coming into this year. That experience that he gained playing meaningful time uh, against top guys, wide yes. receivers it, while being on the best team in the league record wise, like that's experience that you don't get anywhere else other than green Bay. And he capitalized on his opportunity without question. But in what was perhaps the biggest story of the entire season last year, Rasul Douglas signed with the Packers in early October after starting the year on the Cardinals practice squad, and he took over. He became a bona fide star in the Packers' secondary. He finished the year with 13 passes defended, five interceptions. Big interceptions. Big-time interceptions. Big-time big interceptions. Two of which were pick sixes, and again, he just saved the day on numerous occasions, whether it be with the interception at the end of the game uh, against the Browns on Christmas Day or against Arizona uh, in his first start where he beat his former team by picking off Kyler Murray at the very end of the game or the the, the pick he just he was a difference maker he was electrifying and in just 3 months Rasul Douglas went from the practice squad 
to the Pro Bowl, earning himself a three-year, $21 million contract from the Green Bay Packers, and most importantly, the Apostle Award for saving our ass last year during our cheesy award ceremony. Um, and they're all back in town. Stokes, Rasul Douglas, and Jair Alexander will the be big the three, three baby. Corners. The Holy Trinity, as I'll probably yeah. refer the to Holy them Trinity. as. The Holy Trinity, that's a perfect way to refer to them as coming into this season. And behind them, clearly got Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. They're both returning. Couldn't be more pumped. And hey, if mark my words, if Adrian Amos continues to play just how he always does, he, he is, in my opinion, the most consistent safety in the league. He will receive another extension. I mean, that guy, he was phenomenal last season. And... I think Darnell Savage is going to have a big leap. He needs this year. Yeah, I think he, needs he is a, going to have a big, big leap. As far as depth behind those two guys, last year, really, the last guy there was Henry Black. Uh, that has been addressed, drafting Tariq Carpenter, also signing uh, Keyshawn Nixon from Vegas. So it's a little more spruced up back there. But really, the Packers have five studly defensive backs to play back there right behind a ferocious and deep ferocious a lot of lobs being thrown in the air uh, in a hurry yeah they are loaded with talent athleticism and it's just the perfect combination of familiar faces and experience and youth and and rejuvenation yes and, and raw talent uh so the expectation should certainly be high for this packers defense and truly, the sky is the limit for them as they get ready to go into year two under Coach Barry. And man, let's go. I just need to get my charger for my computer. Yeah, my, is my cheeks all red? Uh, just slightly. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to look red as shit on this You're camera. going good, bro. You're going real good. All right, let's do this. And on the flip side uh, of this coin here, the the Packers defense skies the limit, nothing but hope and, and expectation. On the flip side, with the departure of Devontae Adams and the uncertainty of the Packers' offensive line situation this season, uh, the Packers' offense has nothing but question marks and doubters for what feels like truly the first time since Aaron Rodgers' rookie year. It's, like, ex- since- it's Honestly, in a weird way, it's exciting. It is it's exciting. exciting. Yes. It is, it's truly exciting because uh, I don't know what it feels like to have people doubting the Packers' offense with Aaron Rodgers under center. It's never happened before, besides when he first got the job and he and he took over the starting position. But outside of that, there has never been any concern for the offensive functioning. There's been drama with Aaron coming back. Stay, like They've really ran with that story, but never drama about how the Packers' offense is going to look. They're going to look great. It's, <laughs> it's Aaron Rodgers. Yes, yeah, they're going to look great, but not this year. There are... It's just crazy, and it's I swear it's the first time in Aaron's career that it's been 
quite this bad. And a lot of it is because not only did Devontae Adams leave, but so did Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Unfortunately, MVS is now with the Chiefs. Talk about a man who could thank Aaron Rodgers for everything. Everything. MVS, but hopefully he uh, could stick there in Kansas City and they don't get sick and tired he's of their new burner i think he's the one that's replacing tyreek hill's uh, yeah, well, speed well hopefully he doesn't keep tweaking his hammy or drop wide open touchdown passes but whatever i liked mvs i'm happy he was here and thanks for everything you've done as well mvs Devonte, come back whenever you want <laughs> no i'm just messing around but seriously <laughs> um I need the charger. Hold on. Oh, shit. I got it. And yes, I understand there are these concerns, and we will get into them, and we will address these concerns that people are having surrounding the Packers offense. But before we do that, there are two areas of this Packers offense that there are no need to concern. There's no worry whatsoever. Uh, we could rest our heads peacefully at night knowing that these two primary and important positions are in good hands and the first one's obviously the quarterback situation. Aaron Rodgers is now officially in town until he decides to retire. That's really the greatest news I could have personally received this offseason after what feels like an, un, just a, an eternity of stress and misery harping on that one very point. And the fact that Aaron is in town until he wants to not be makes me a very happy camper. And as long as he is the quarterback... There is nothing to fear as far as the quarterback position goes. Uh, and the other one being the running back room. Uh, last year in his second season, A.J. Dillon basically split snaps right down the middle with Aaron Jones. They split touches, and it amounted in basically identical stats. Uh, if you look at their stats from last year, they are just identical. And they get in Aaron, such different ways, too. Such different ways. <laughs> Aaron Jones... 223 touches, 1,190 yards, and 10 touchdowns. A.J. Dillon, 221 touches, 1,116 yards, and 7 touchdowns. A few touches, a few yards, a few touchdowns difference between the two gentlemen. They were a true one-two punch, thunder and lightning, uh, and they're only going to continue that 
if not become even more impressive as a duo now that A.J. Dillon is entering his prime. He is going into his third season, and he is just, I think he is going to be the man this season. Uh, and they're going to have to carry the brunt of the workload, especially early on this season, as Aaron is getting acclimated with all his new and rookie receiving options. It's just there's going to be a natural learning curve uh, with all of this going on. So without Devontae Adams, these two guys are going to need to be ultra productive to start the year and then as the receivers that we've got going in there get comfortable and and things start gelling there it'll become a little more evenly dispersed but uh, it's clear that the running backs Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon they are going to be getting the ball this year and man how awesome is that for the Green Bay Packers if they have those two guys back there thunder and lightning the true one-two punch and they could turn into the best rushing attack the league has to offer who knows what matt lafleur has tucked up his I know, sleeve I know. for this season he gets to kind of rework and his offensive he's game. learned his lessons from last year i'm sure and he will be pounding the ball into the end zone with aj this year more than last year more than anybody could imagine i would imagine oh yeah yeah it, it i wouldn't be surprised if every time we get on the goal line it's not just handed off to aj Dillon uh, multiple times in, like in, a row. Times yes. in a row yes yes I think he is impossible to stop. Especially with the defense. You can give it up on the goal line if it's not a, an extremely important touchdown yeah. and just let him yeah. smash into him I a bunch of times. I believe that he is impossible to stop four times in a row. I, I believe that, truly. Yes. Four, maybe Have three times the in size a row of the guy? can stop them, but not four times in a row. And, and yeah, I'm so pumped to see what he does in his third year and see how Jonesy just continues his illustrious Packers career. career, yes. Amazing career. Him and Derrick Henry have been the two best backs in the league over the last four seasons, and there's no arguing that. So uh, let's get into this Packers receiving core, shall we? Because uh, in the post-Devante and MVS era, it looks a little weird. As of right now, the Packers receiving room looks like Al Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, who the Packers signed on a one-year prove-it type deal coming into this season. I think that's a good signing. Sammy Watkins has had productive seasons in the past. He is a name. And with Aaron throwing him the ball and and throwing him the ball in strategic spots and and in spots where he could really thrive, I think Sammy Watkins does have the potential to kind of have a little bit of a resurgence here. Um if there's a place he could do it, it's in Green Bay, and I'm glad the Packers were able to get him for a relatively uh, – for peanuts, basically. <laughs> get him for nothing uh, with a lot of incentives in there to really keep him motivated. On top of that, Amari Rogers will be going into his second year, uh, Malik Taylor, Jawan Winfrey, and then, of course, we got the rookies, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, and Samori Torre. Uh, in an ideal world – the Packers will get immediate production out of Christian Watson, and he will be the number one receiver. Uh, yes, he's from a small FCS school in North Dakota State, uh, but last season he played 12 games. He had 43 catches, 801 yards. That's like 19 per reception and seven touchdowns. And quite frankly, 
He might have been the most physically gifted wide receiver in the entire draft. He is six foot four, two hundred and eight pounds, and that relative athletic score I was talking about earlier, his was a nine point nine six oh out my of ten. God. He nearly scored perfect. He had a four point three forty yard dash, a thirty eight and a half inch <sighs> vertical leap, um, and he is just as sick of an athlete a wide receiver could be coming out of college. And he has maybe as much upside as a wide receiver can have coming out of college. Yeah. He didn't do it at a school like Alabama, uh, but he was undeniably phenomenal. He was spectacular at his small school. Yes. And and he has all the intangibles and physical attributes to really make some noise in the national football league. And, Lucky for him, he has Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb in his ear teaching him how to play the professional game. And that couldn't be more of an advantage. I mean, clearly, there's a few spots in the NFL where if you're a rookie wide receiver and you land there, you're primed for success and it's all in your hands. It's truly uh, like maybe, what, four locations you could say that about in the NFL? Five tops? Green Bay is one of them, if not the number one place. So Christian Watson, in an ideal world, will arise quickly as the number one option, and the league will be on notice. Just as Justin Jefferson took over the league quickly, it'll be the same thing with Christian Watson. That's what we need to hope. And I apologize if you could hear any yeah, of the background this is, noise. I don't know if you've been able to tell, but for the past about 45 seconds, I've had extreme agita wondering what this insane... Outside, I have to go figure this out. Dude, just come back. Come on, yo. Yeah, but with the Asian guy. Who, who cares? Who cares? I'm from the neighbors. I'm gonna go smoke some pot. <laughs> insane. Well, Alright. Really threw me off. I was just going to say sorry right, about yeah. that. That's what you get when you're broadcasting live from the shadows of Lambeau Field. There's bound to be some background noise and of some commotion going out on the streets there. What was I saying? No, the, he was the, He's the most physically gifted receiver in the entire draft. So you're basically... Right at the beginning of the, it is also extremely important to keep an eye on Romeo okay, Dobbs. Um, yeah, you were yeah, just yeah, rambling yeah. about uh, Watson. Yeah. Just, just here. Hold on. God damn it! That really. Just come back from that shit and say, and uh, basically just be like, "Wow, well that was insane." We just had to make sure it wasn't that guy that we were referencing before. But with the Watson talk yeah, just, out of just, the way, just, yeah. All right. Sorry about that commotion there. We, uh, uh, when you're broadcasting live from the 
depths and, and shadows of Lambeau Field, there's bound to be a little commotion. And as we said before, there was that gentleman who got unfortunately arrested at the Manchester City game yesterday, and uh, he has sought our help in getting him back to Chicago. So we just had to make sure that wasn't him. Uh, but long story short, yeah, Christian Watson needs to emerge as the guy, and hopefully he does. Um, but with that in mind, I am here to tell you it is extremely important to keep your eyes on fourth-round pick out of Nevada, Romeo Dubs. Um, I truly believe something in my core is just telling me this, but he is going to pop this season and be a true contributor on this Packers offense. I'm cough, cough, um, like second or third option sort of contributor in this Packers offense. He is six foot two, 200 pounds, runs a four, five 40 and was one of the premier deep threats in all of college football. I mean, seriously, he recorded back to back seasons with over 1000 receiving yards. He had 13 games, 100 and I'm here to tell you that it is also extremely important to keep your eye on fourth round pick Romeo Dubs out of Nevada I mean this guy I believe he's truly going to pop this season as a contributor in this Packers offense and I'm not talking just like uh, a catch here a catch here I'm talking second or third option type contributor in this offense this season. He is six foot two, two hundred pounds, has a four five forty, and was truly one of the premier deep threats in all of college football. Uh, he recorded back to back seasons with a thousand receiving yards. He had thirteen games on, on his career with a hundred or more receiving yards, Damn. four games with ten or more catches, seven games with two or more touchdown catches. He averaged 105 yards per game in his senior season. Uh, he's just spectacular. Over these last two seasons, he ranked first out of all FBS receivers in deep passes, uh, deep touchdown passes, mind you. He had 15 deep touchdown catches over his last two seasons, and he racked up almost 1,000 receiving yards on deep balls over his junior and senior year in college. Um, if you watch any of the, his media thus far since arriving for OTAs and, and all that stuff, he seems to be confident but humble. He seems to be quiet and serious about his work, and he seems to have true self-belief and determination. I would say he has a fantastic head on his shoulders for his age, and I could not be happier with what we have seen and heard about so far from the new 87 in town. He's wearing 87, people. It's a big thing. The last 87 was nothing but a total just disgrace. He should have never been given the number. I'm not, not going to say his name. If you know, you know. Yeah. But Romeo Dubs is going to be out there wearing 87. And, uh, I mean, hopefully I'm right about this. And... Imagine, just imagine Brian Guten constructed not just the new number one option, but the new number two option as well. Two legit 
young weapons. It would completely erase everybody's comments about him not taking any receivers in the past couple drafts that were of worth, yes. It really would. And hearing Goot speak about it, it, he's saying that Romeo is the most polished receiver that he's seen, like, right away. Like, he is polished. He knows how to play the game the right way, apparently. So, we it's shall crazy. see soon. And it's good news for this Packers receiving room. And it's exciting. It is exciting, okay? It, yeah, it's awesome. And it's going to suck not having Devontae Adams there. Uh, and it's going to be horrible, at least uh, for the first couple times, to go into a Packers game without knowing that Devontae is going to have 10 for 100. Yeah. And we know it's all going to be okay because, hey, we have Devontae Adams. It's going to be a crazy game. Yeah, how, how's Devontae doing? T- no, it's exciting. We... We we who's gonna do what? Who how's Romeo gonna play? How's Watson gonna play? How's L- Lazard gonna fill in in his new advanced role? Uh, there there's a lot of question marks surrounding this wide receiver room, but it's not a reason to be stressed out or or pessimistic. No, it, it is optimism. Yeah, there's this a ton promising. of talent flying around, and there now it's about how are they gonna use it? Who's gonna who's gonna be a stud? A ton of talent, but also veteran leadership in a Randall Cobb. Having Randall Cobb back in town makes everything so much easier for these young guys as they transition into the professional life. Uh, not to mention, Sammy Watkins is a is a veteran. He knows how the NFL is. And the possibility of adding another piece to this room, whether it be a Julio Jones or an Odell Beckham Jr., that option is still there. The door is not closed on that by any means. But just looking at this Packers wide receiver room and what they have available to them right now, I would call myself hopefully optimistic. Oh, good. That the offense is going to be just fine. Yeah, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be a frustrating game or two where things don't look great. But that's normal. Just think about the 2015 season, I believe it was, or 16 season when the Packers drafted Jamon Moore, MVS, and Equiminius St. Brown. Same thing happened there. There was growing pains. Uh, but it's going to be okay. Aaron Rodgers is manning yeah. the ship. The running backs are phenomenal. There's just one more area of concern. And it's... And more has came one. about out about this today as we speak. Not not as we speak, but earlier on in the day. You know, Bach wasn't wasn't on the PUP list. Now he is on the PUP list. A lot of people are freaking out. Yeah, so. there's a lot of there's a lot of people scared about the offensive line, and I guess for good reason because last season, all year long, from the start time camp started, the offensive line was in a constant state of repair. They were they were plugging holes from the get go. Uh, clearly, they were without Bach the entire season, and he clearly. Might have came back a little too early or something. We were curious why they mix and matched the positions with the line in the in the Niners game last yeah. year. Yeah, well, we were... it, it's because Bach couldn't go. And but why would they? They were running that all. It was just obviously something wasn't working the whole season that maybe was masked and then it was exposed. But now hopefully there's no worries like that. Well, yeah, Bach was out for the entire season. Josh Meyer missed the significant time due to injury. The rookie. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see how he looks in his second year as the starting center. Elton Jenkins missed the entire second half from week 11 on with that ACL. Billy went down a few times down the stretch there. And it was just a year filled with injuries inside that room. And it forced young guys like John Runyon 
and Royce Newman, Yash, to step up and, and start games all season long. And, and thanks to the phenomenal leadership of Coach Stenovich, they played well enough. Uh, and in fact, they played above expectation and gained invaluable experience coming into this season, which is only going to help them because this season, it's a new ball game. It's a new competition. There are, as of right now, four spots up for grabs. If you think about it with Bach being on the PUP list, Elton being on the PUP list, there's four spots up for grabs right now. And there are many new faces in town competing for them. Many new faces. Uh, this offseason, Goot went and drafted three more O-linemen. And one thing that since the beginning of time, I have never knocked Goot on, and I always gave him his due respect, Brian Gutenkus knows how to identify an offensive lineman. That guy knows how to put together an O-line. And it started early in the third round of this year's draft when he took Sean Ryan out of UCLA. Six foot five, 321 pounds, as athletic as can be. Uh, last season, as a true junior, uh, a true 20-year-old, he started all 12 games for UCLA at left tackle. And he earned all first-team All-Pac-12 honors doing so. He was the best left tackle in the Pac-12 as a 20-year-old, which is spectacular. But the good news for the Packers is he's versatile enough to really line up wherever they need him to. Which is what it seems as if that's how they like their that linemen. That is how they like their linemen. Brian Gutenkunst likes versatile linemen. And, I mean, not everyone's going to be as versatile as Elton Jenkins. But Sean Ryhan has the potential to be as versatile as Elton Jenkins. And the guy just looks awesome. He has this big, thick, wavy, Hawaiian-looking hair. Mm. He has a big, jolly smile. He, he just looks like a good time. And I truly believe he will be making, speaking of making 87 proud with Romeo Dubs, uh, I think Sean Ryan is going to make 75 very proud in honor of Bron Laga. So I am pumped, and I think he's going to have an immediate impact, and I think it's going to be pretty early on in camp where it's obvious Ryan's a starter. I, I really do believe that. Uh, and in the very next round, round four, Goot used his second pick of that round right after taking Romeo Dubs to take Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. And this guy, talk about physical specimens. He might be a physical specimen like no other for an offensive lineman. He is six foot four, 304 pounds, and his relative athletic score was 9.5 out of 10. He ran a 4.940 and a 4.4 shuttle. The guy is quick, big, strong, and most importantly, reliable because in his career at Wake Forest, he played in over 3,000 snaps and allowed just two sacks. Yeah, it's a ridiculous stat. So add that guy to the competition this year uh, and look out, uh, Royce Newman and all these other guys, because uh, Zach Tom is, I mean, he looks mean. Well, he actually, he doesn't look mean. He looks very friendly, and nice, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. But he plays mean. And I think he's going to be making some noise come Wednesday. I, I'm serious about that. Zach Tom has some promise. And then in the seventh round, 
Goop went and got maybe the tallest man walking around in our society today, the largest man, Rashid Walker. He's not the tallest, but he is a behemoth. Six foot six, 313 pounds, all the size and the strength in the world, and really just a great, again, competition. He adds competition to that offensive line room. Um, I mean, clearly the hope is to have Bach and Elton healthy and ready to play some football as soon as possible. Clearly that is the plan and the hope. Um, But just like last year, there are question marks surrounding who the Packers are going to throw out there as their starting five come the season. Um, But we have nothing to worry about. Steno is now the OC. He's the offensive coordinator. And since he's been in town, the Packers' offensive line has been the most well-coached in the league. Um, And I could already hear now the endless questions that Coach LaFleur and Coach Stenovich uh, and Coach Butkus, like, I just could hear all of the the, the questions they're going to receive regarding what five, what, who, who's going to be out there come week one, who's going to be out there. And I'll tell you all the answer right this second. They'll have the best who they'll have who they believe to be the best five out there on the field playing together, and I believe they will. And it's not going to be an issue because uh, they proved last season with significantly less firepower in their room that they could piece together quite a good offensive line. And now they have a bunch of young, strong, and physical guys in that room, uh, and not to mention all pros like Bach. And Elton just chomping at the bit to get back. So <laughs> things are going to be good. Yes, there are questions surrounding this Packers offense coming into this season. Uh, but all we have to keep reminding ourselves is that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback and Matt LaFleur is the head coach. The offense is in great hands and all of this concern will just be forgotten about. Like all the Packers drama is once the season begins and the W's start get getting posted to that <laughs> to that board. So no need to fear. Be excited. Cause this Packers offense is gonna look different. They're gonna play different and they're gonna feel different. But they're going to be pretty damn good if all goes according to the grand plan. Actually, yeah, let me get that jewel. <coughs> I just have camera anxiety, dude. Oh, God. Yeah, this is good. You just gotta get it all out. All off season, all the everything. And now, let's get into the final phase of team football and the phase that was very important for the Packers to shore up 
coming into this season, and that being the special teams. Ugh, I don't even like hearing it out loud. Unfortunately, because uh, we all did truly like the man, the first order of business was giving the special teams a facelift, and that meant bye-bye, Mo Drayton. Uh, you tried. And they hired Rich Vasakia. Not much better of a hire, that, no if you ask me. No better of a hire than Rich Bisakia. I'm so happy that that name is Packers special teams coordinator, Rich Bisakia. Uh, for those of you who don't know Rich Bisakia, I'm sure you all do at this point, Rich Bisakia is quite simply put the man, okay? He has 20 years of NFL coaching experience, almost exclusively <laughs> as a special teams <laughs> coordinator, okay? This guy has done nothing but coach special teams for 20 straight years at the professional level. He was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers special teams coordinator for all of a decade and a half. He then went to San Diego for a second, and then he landed in Dallas for a short stint, and now he was with Oakland slash Las Vegas for the last several, several seasons. Last year, after the humiliating John Gruden <laughs> scandal that took place in the middle of the Shame. season and almost basically killed their season right where it stood, not to mention Along a with lot the of other the other issues, drama yeah. that went on, but we're focusing on the John Gruden scandal. Rich Basakia was tasked with manning the sinking ship. And he did sh he did so epically, <laughs> I might add. He did so with all the love and passion that he possibly could for the men in that locker room. And he led the Raiders into the playoffs. And he won the hearts over of every single football fan in existence. Every football fan loved... He should have been the coach of the year, Rich Misakia. <laughs> let's not... Let's just call it how it is. John Gruden was over there being a, a, a creep and an immoral human being and just a total – it was just a, a circus with that guy Gruden running the show over there. And then it all came burning down around them, and they went, Richie, you got to fix this for us. And that's exactly what he did. He gained that locker room, and the fact that they didn't just give him that head coaching job is despicable. It's pitiful. But – it's lucky for the Green Bay Packers because they were able to go get him to do what he always does, and that's coach special teams. Yes. But now with a newfound confidence and swagger, that of a wronged head, head coach. coach. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Because he brought that team to the playoffs. He was epic, and he's going to do the same thing to this Packers special teams unit. Apparently... Since he's gotten here, he has already started infecting the building with his passion and energy. He has a new mantra that he's bringing into the special teams coaching that I guess is called We Fence <laughs> instead of defense. It's We Fence okay, mindset coach. that he's trying to instill in the guys. He's been implementing some unique special teams drills with like a tennis ball or something like that. Uh, it's safe to say that he is capable and he seems to be extra willing to revamp this special team. Let's go. Unit. And if any man could do it, uh, answer the prayers of us cheeseheads who have just been looking for a stable special teams for a decade now, that would be Richie B, okay? Richie B. And on top of hiring Richie, 
The Packers have also made many changes to the special teams personnel that Richie will have afforded to him in town, which is a good start because Boho is out and he has been replaced by longtime Chicago Bears punter Pat O'Donnell. Patty. Pat O'Donnell has played nine seasons with the Chicago Bears and he really, in all honesty, I'm not even saying this to be funny, has probably been their most consistent and best player over the last nine seasons. Yeah, they had Erlacher, they had Mack, they had guys that were their best players, but the greatest bear of the last nine years has to be Pat O'Donnell. <laughs> this guy was infallible around there. He has proved time and time again that he could be consistent in the cold, and he and Mason seem to be good friends already. He was just at that soccer, soccer game, game with A.J. Dillon. He seems to be for the team, and boy, I'm sure he's thrilled to be on this side of that rivalry Absolutely. at this very moment. He probably had Adrian Amos telling him, oh, dude, just come on. What are you doing? What are you there? waiting I know for? You, I know you're a loyal guy, Pat, but come on. Come smell the foliage out front of Green, uh, Lambeau Field, the beautiful Come flowers. lick the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Come come look at how clean everything out here is. Um, and truly, Pat O'Donnell, I think, is a fantastic signing. And uh, hopefully, he, and not to mention, he's held the ball in the cold for the last nine years as well, which was clearly something that J.K. and Boho struggled with from time to time. On top of that terrific signing at punter, the top three special teams contributors from last season in terms of snaps played, that being Oren Burks, Henry Black, and Isaac Yadam, are no longer our problem. Great news for the Packers. Those guys were nothing but weights holding them down. <laughs> Isaac Yadam less than the other two, and Oren Burks more than everyone else. He was a bust of a third-round pick. Those three guys were the three main contributors on special teams last year, and all three of them were trash. They, they, were, they were not helping whatsoever. And um, it's a good thing, I believe, that, they, that they're no longer on the, the roster, and I wish them luck in their careers moving forward. Once a Packer, always a Packer. You know the saying. <laughs> um, but the output that they displayed was, if anything, just frustrating. Oh, frustrating is a the nice least job of it. Filling their holes with some uh, potential replacements that I think have a little more promise than those guys have shown. And that started with going to Vegas and signing one of their free agents, that being Richie B's special teams extraordinaire cornerback, Keyshawn Nixon. Uh, he was a top special teamer for Richie B the last three seasons. And he just, again, adds a little bit of added depth there at the corner position. He can never have too many corners. And my guess would be the value he adds to special teams is way greater than Kevin King. And uh, chances are if he had to get on the field, it would probably look like Kevin King. Absolutely, so, yes. Uh, it, it's a good signing from initial, uh, just from the looks of it. From the looks of how, from the looks of it, it's a good signing. And Richie B, I believe, handpicked him, which... Richie B could do whatever he wants. Absolutely, yeah, he needs his sense. guy. He yeah. said, "Hey, I need yeah. this guy." Okay, Rich, how do you want to get him here? Yeah. Basically, yeah, he was. Yeah, I need the fourth string corner on. <laughs> he is, I the, got gre you. He is yeah. the greatest gunner I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Send the PJ for the special teamer. 
Co- Coach Lafleur, I've been I've been coaching special teams for twenty straight years, and I've never come into come across a gunner quite like Keyshawn Nixon. <laughs> he is the greatest gunner I've ever seen. Signed. Hopefully, that's exactly how that went. And on top of that, there are a handful of rookies who could come in and just make an immediate impact on teams. Seventh round pick Tariq Carpenter is a big physical safety. Uh, he's 6'3", 230 pounds, played at Georgia Tech, uh, and he played a lot of special teams throughout his time at Georgia, Georgia Tech, specifically his first two years. Uh, and then the two rookie receivers, um, hopefully they could come in, get into a little competition, and both contribute in the return game. It has been far too long before there has been a competent return man out there for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be competing with Amari Rodgers and Malik Taylor, but can we all agree at this point we've seen what those two guys are like as return men, and they're both absolute liabil- liabilities back there? Yes. And that the true competition is going to be coming between uh, the two rookies that are in town and Kylan Hill, if that is something If Kylan Hill to wants to get back out there, that was a devastating out there and do, which injury. I'm sure he will. If he can, he will, and it'll be a three-man competition. My guess is between he was Kyle he and was Hill. a good returner a good for returner. the time being. Yes, yeah. he was a good returner, and it was a shame to see that happen. It was a gnarly injury happening on the return, um, but he's going to be competing with Watson and, and Dubs in college. Watson, uh, he was a first-team All-American return man his junior year, and he returned two of his ten career returns for a touchdown. Wow. And Romeo Dubs was a four-year punt returner at Nevada and averaged 13 yards per return on his career. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, and clearly, those two guys both have the ability to go do it, and yes. I'm sure we'll see both of them doing it throughout the season at some point. And just that is great news for this special teams because we cannot afford a untimely muff. Um, but the point being, the point of all of what I just said, that long, long <laughs> analysis of this past offseason and what we should be looking forward to come Wednesday at training camp, the point is we should be nothing but optimistic. Oh, I'm extreme. You said hopefully optimistic before. I, I am extremely optimistic. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I am extremely optimistic. The Packers are true Super Bowl contenders once again. Yes, and they're not patching together a squad this year. They have plenty of depth. They have plenty of guys to try plenty of places. There's going to be a ton of competition. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. And we are going to be here to bring you it all. You'll be able to hear the whistles from just over yonder. Exactly. We, We are going to be covering camp live from the premises of Clark Hinkey Field and the Ray Nitschke Field. We're going to be out there amongst the people basking in all of the Green Bay Packer training camp. All the beauty that Green Bay has to offer. Daily uploads. So please stay tuned. If you enjoyed this long form podcast, hey, subscribe, like it, uh, turn on the bell if you want. Anything helps. Any support that you want to give is much appreciated. Um, Leave a comment if you've heard anything and had a thought and want to just have an open discourse about the Green Bay Packers because that's what we're here to do. We are the Weekly Cheese. We're broadcasting live from the shadows of Lambeau Field all season long. 
So join us, please. We are here for you. We are created by cheeseheads for the cheeseheads. We are the Weekly Cheese. I hope you enjoyed this first long-form podcast episode. It's going to just build off of the last two seasons. All of the stuff's backlogged on the channel. Uh, so we're going to have the one long-form pod a week just discussing the games um, and what happened in the games. We're going to have the pregame preview coming to you each and every weekend to get you ready for each week's matchup. We're going to have weekly vlogs of our time here in Green Bay just to show you all uh, what we're doing around here, how cool of a little community Ashwabanon truly is and just Green Bay as a whole. It's exciting. We are here. Packers season is here. And we just want to bring Cheeseheads out there quality content that we believe you will all enjoy. That showcases not just our beloved Green Bay Packers, but the Green Bay area at large. Because we've only been here a week now, but we just know that this is this is a special little community. And we could not be more pumped to be here. So, again, subscribe, like, do all that stuff if you choose. Uh, you'll be seeing us pop up on your feeds, yeah. hopefully. Uh, we'll break into the algorithm eventually. That's the goal. Uh, but, yeah, if you stumble upon it, join us on this ride. Feel free to comment. Uh, hit us up on all of our socials. Uh, all that, all of our socials will be linked in the description below. Um, it's basically the weekly cheese on everything. But, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. If you made it this far, thanks for <laughs> listening. Hope you enjoyed the first episode of the season as we get into a season's worth of daily uploads and content and just Packer. Packer season is here, and so is the Weekly Cheese, live from the shadows of Lambeau Field. And we'll talk to you all. Hey. Coming up this week, every day, <laughs> every day. You can't get it there. You won't. You'll be getting enough of us. You'll every be sick of us soon. Uh, but thanks for tuning in, and feel really good Hell about yeah. this season. Hopefully, we'll be watching a Lombardi Trophy parade hoisted right down this hoisted road, right down here. Oneida Street, uh, right outside this window. But thanks, and as always, remember the cheese stands alone.